Hi, and welcome back to the Project Outlier Solarcast with your host, Daniel Cooper. So today I'm going to talk around some of the risk factors that have been associated with boys' trajectories of physical aggression from early childhood through to sort of adolescence. So there's been some studies that have come out, uh, one particular study that I'm going to sort of look at a little bit and then talk to some of the factors around that study and some of the interventions that have gone on post that to sort of look at what are the important factors around the trajectories of aggression for young boys. So one of the studies looked at around about 2,000 kids and then broke them down into sort of models or between a three-group, a four-group and a five-group model. And what they found was that the five-group model was the most predictive of aggression in young boys. So when they looked at it, they found it around about 20, 26% of young boys were in group one, which was really low chance of aggression. Group two had about 30% of kids and they had medium to stable levels of physical aggression. Group three had about 20% of kids or just over 20% of kids and they were rated as having sort of medium levels of physical aggression. Group four had about 16 to 17% of kids or boys and they had high levels of physical aggression from around sort of one and a half to eight years old. And then group five had around 6% of boys and they were rated as having the highest levels of physical aggression. And when they were looking at these levels of aggression, they were using interviews with the children, interviews with their mothers, and then reporting from their parents. So they broke this down to see what were the factors that underlied the aggression in these children. And what they sort of came across was that there were several factors that were associated or predictive of the risks or trajectories of these kids. So they looked at it and they found that Household income or lower socioeconomic status was a risk factor. Mother's antisocial behaviour during her teenage years was another risk factor. The mother's age at first birth, so the younger the mother was at the first childbirth, was a risk factor. Levels of depression within the mother. The number of siblings at the child's birth, so the more siblings the child had ahead of them, the higher the risk factor. And then the last one was parents with lower education. So when they looked at these, they found these were all sort of risk factors that were associated with the trajectories of the kids. So when you break it down, there's kind of a number of risk factors around young boys that are associated with the mother. But when you sort of look at it in depth, it's not really the mother that's creating these problems. It's more so when you're looking at the environments where these children are growing up, there's less resources. So when you look at areas where there's lower socioeconomic status, the children in those areas have less access to the resources that they need. So if you've got, say, a young single mother in a low socioeconomic, for example, there's a number of risk factors that are associated with that boy having a trajectory for high risk of aggression. But it's not really the mother that's associated with it. It's the resources within that environment. So a young single mother has to try and find the income to support that child. So if she's out working, then she has less time to nurture that young child from that early age. If they have less money, then then it's likely that the nutrition they can provide is not going to be as optimal or it's going to be less adequate than what that child may need. If the mother has high levels of depression, then she's probably not really going to give the attention that that baby needs because she's trying to solve her own problems or she's using a lot of her resources to keep herself functioning. So it's not so much the individual parent, it's what that individual parent can provide in 
regard to resources for that child because when a child is developing from an early age, they need a stable environment where they have reasonable routines. So when they wake up in the morning, they can kind of understand what their day involves or they've got the energy through good sleep and good nutrition to get through their day. And then as their brain develops, there's a number of, well, obviously there's a lot of things that go on in brain development. One of these things is its ability to be able to predict its energy usage for the day and whether it has the energy to get through that day. So if you're in an environment where, in some of these environments, there may be a lot going on into the night, so the child might not be getting adequate sleep. So if the child's not getting adequate sleep, then it's not going to wake up with the right energy levels. If it's being undernourished because there's a lack of access to the right food, then it's not going to have its optimal levels of energy. And if it doesn't have consistent routine, then it's going to have difficulty understanding and predicting how it's going to utilise its energy throughout the day. So what it has shown is that children that grow up in these environments where there's less predictability, there's less routine, their threat response is actually increased. So the areas of their brain where that's associated with predicting threat or identifying threat will increase in size and act. And there's also indications in some of the Western cultures that we live in that putting children into early daycare for parents that need to go to work or have to go to work can actually increase the levels of aggression in children as they get into the later years. Well, there's also evidence that indicates the more children in a classroom in primary school that have had early daycare or early sort of kindergarten or childcare increases the risk of the whole classroom moving into suboptimal behaviours. So we can kind of understand that there's certain things that a child needs. So when we look at the interventions that have been useful or the interventions that work in these situations is when they do find households where there is low socioeconomic status, where there's single mums, where there's young mums, they're depressed. When they send around a nurse or a, a healthcare worker or a, a child support worker or some sort of support for that mother, then these risk factors are negated. So when they're provided with assistance that allows them to provide the resources to that child, then that intervenes on that trajectory for that young child. So it reduces the risk that it'll move into these aggressive behaviours during childhood and adolescence. They've also shown that in relation to childcare or early childcare, if they're provided with high-quality childcare, then it reduces the risk factors. So some of the European countries where they've invested heavily into their childcare systems, they don't have the same risk, or so there's no associations between early childcare and suboptimal behaviour in primary school, where countries where childcare systems have become more of a business and the quality is reduced, then these risk factors remain in place. So... When we look at it, it's not really so much around the parent or the child. It's the environment and the resources that they have access to, to allow that child to grow optimally. So if we're ultimately worried about male aggression and trying to intervene to reduce negative male behaviours, then we, st and we need to start to look at what is in place in regard to resourcing these at-risk households. Because if we're not willing to assist in those environments, then we're never really going to solve any of the problems. So when we look at how we resolve some of these problems, we need to start look at how we're resourcing these at-risk households or at-risk young mothers so that we can reduce the chances of those young boys going on and having aggressive childhood and adolescent behaviours. And what it also shows is that even though some of the girls in these environments may 
sort of demonstrate some immunity to these behaviours is that when they go on and have a boy or if they go on and have a young boy, then the risk factors are still there. So this becomes something that is transferred through generations. So this is a much bigger community-based problem than it is an individual problem. It's easy to blame individuals for their behaviour, but their behaviour has come from somewhere or it's been developed through something. So when we look at it, we need to understand what's the problem, how we fix it, and what we can do about it. So even when we look at it statistically, yes, the, the high group is 6%, but that's still 6% of people that are at risk and that we need to improve. And we need to remember also that even though these risk factors are there, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going on to develop these behaviours. There's also research that shows that a good role model outside the family environment can intervene at certain periods throughout uh, individuals or a youth life. So that's kind of just having a look at some of the research that's out there to give an indication as to sort of what can be done. So a lot of people probably aren't within these environments, but at least it gives us an understanding because we may know somebody who does need assistance. We may know somebody who we may be able to provide some resources to help them provide the right environment and resources to their child. So we may not necessarily be in an environment where we have a risk or we have a child that's at risk, but we may know somebody who is. So if we're willing to step in and help out, then we may be able to change the trajectory of that young child and might be able to change some outcomes later on. And we may be able to intervene on their path so that now they go off and have a much better life or a better future rather than heading down the wrong path and impacting a number of people negatively and ending up being lost into the systems. So I hope that gives you a little bit more of an understanding around some of the risk factors associated with boys and their trajectory for development. They're very similar for girls, except it just changes from sort of mother's antisocial behaviour and depression to father's antisocial behaviour and depression. I hope that kind of helps understand a little bit, gives you something to think about, and I look forward to the next little presentation.